What do you think of when you think of Memorial Day? The beginning of summer vacation, barbecues in the backyard, family get-togethers, right? In most churches, Memorial Day is ignored because it's not one of the holy days. But I believe it would be good for us to consider what Memorial Day really represents. For its very name calls us to remember. The ability to remember is a gift that God has given us. In a flash, we can be a child again, skipping rocks on the lake, or walking through the field, or riding our bike and falling off and getting the scrape and crying to mommy, and mommy wrapping us up in her arms and telling us it will be all better right up until she puts hydrogen peroxide on it and you scream more. You see, through memory, we can fall in love, get married, and endure our children all over again. All of this is possible through the blessing of memory. You see, some of our memories are happy as we recall wonderful experiences, but some are sad, and we may weep as we remember them. Memories are also practical. If we couldn't remember that the red light means stop, we'd be in a lot of trouble. If you weren't able to remember what day it is, or when your anniversary or your wife's birthday is, you're going to be in big trouble. So memories are practical. The problem, though, is that sometimes memory fails us. Sometimes we forget. Maybe you've heard about a guy named John who had a serious memory problem. One day, John ran into a friend that he had not seen in a long time, and he greeted him and said, Bill, do you remember what a bad memory I had? And Bill answered, yes, I certainly do. Well, it's not bad anymore. I went to the seminar that taught us how to remember things. It was great, and now I've got a wonderful memory. Bill answered, that's great. What was the name of the seminar? Wait, John said, wait, wait a minute. My wife went with me. I'll ask her. He he turned and saw his wife nearby. Then he turned back to Bill and said, What's the name of the flower with long stems and and thorns and a red bloom? Do you mean a rose? Bill answered, Yeah, thanks, John said. Hey, Rose, what's the name of that seminar that we attended? (laughs) You see, there are events that we should never forget. And Memorial Day commemorates some of those. Tomorrow, Monday, May 29th, 2017, Americans will celebrate Memorial Day, an annual observance in which we remember those who have died while serving in the military. This commemoration began three years after the Civil War ended. Known then as Decoration Day, it was a time for the nation to decorate the graves of the war dead with flowers. Following the atrocities of World War I, Decoration Day, as was expanded to honor the memories of those who had died in all American wars, and in 1971, Memorial Day was declared a national holiday to be observed annually on the last Monday of May. In 2000, to further the effort to remember and to honor those who have died during military service, the U.S. Congress passed the National Moment of Remembrance Act, which encourages all Americans to pause whatever they're doing at 3 p.m. local time on Memorial Day for a minute of silence to remember and honor those who have died in service to the nation. Memorial Day is an important moment in our civic life when we reflect on the real human cost of war. 
You see, we must remember the significant cost of war, the human lives that war claims. But along with those killed on the battlefields we've sent them to, there are at least two other facets of Memorial Day that we should face. First, we should remember that those whose war experience led them to take their own lives after returning home. According to the latest latest U.S. government data, about 22 veterans commit suicide a day. That's almost one per hour. Rita Brock, director of the Soul Repair Center at Bright Divinity School, wrote that to ignore veteran suicides as casualties of war is to abnegate our own moral responsibility for having sent them to fight. It's also a failure to heed the lessons about the cost of war to our whole society. You see, while recent legislation is aimed at improving the Veteran Administration suicide prevention programs, we should all remember that the friends and family members left behind by these suicides may be sitting in our very pews. While we memorialize the lives that war has claimed, we must also acknowledge that the losses that war takes once veterans return, return home. Secondly, we should also remember those who struggle with the memories of their fallen friends, wondering why they survived while others didn't. In March of 2015, 60 Minutes aired a segment on the struggles many veterans faced when returning home from combat. One of the most striking interviews was that of Devin Jones, who remembered the death of his friend Dennis Burrow, who was killed by a landmine. When asked by Scott Pelley, did you sometimes think you'd like to trade places? And Jonas replied, every day, every single day, how do I deserve to be here? See, that's the anguish that leads some to commit suicide. And the survival of guilt experienced by veterans like Devin Jones are symptoms of moral injury, which has been described as a pain that results from damage to a person's moral foundation. Though it shares some symptoms with post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD, moral injury is caused by what the individual senses as a violation of what's right rather than the sudden traumatic event. The sorrow, grief, shame, alienation felt by so many veterans may indeed fill our pews from week to week with anger and depression filling the gaps between Sundays. But you see, people tend to be forgetful. And we seem to need help to jog our memories. In the Bible, we find that God has given us many such reminders. After God destroyed the earth in the flood, he told Noah, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will I cut off the, will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And, and God stated, I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So that every time we see a rainbow, it serves as a reminder of God's promise. Another memorial was erected when Joshua led the people of Israel across the Jordan, across the Jordan River. Remember, the water stopped flowing just as the priest carried the Ark of the Covenant, stepped into the water at the river's edge. Then they stood in the middle of the river until the people had crossed safely into the promised land. While they were crossing, Joshua told 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes, to go into the middle of the riverbed and to select 12 large stones. They brought these stones up into the riverbank and made a monument out of them there. 
In Joshua 4, 6 through 7, Joshua tells them, In the future, when your children ask, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. You see, there are special days and times in the Bible designed to help us remember specific events. I want to call your attention to three of them this morning. You'll probably know the stories behind each one, but I urge you to listen again and see how God can use them to jog our memories and to help us remember important things. The first event that I want to remind you of this morning is the Feast of Passover. You know the history behind it, that the people of Israel had been sojourners and slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. Then God called Moses and said, Moses, I want you to go back to Israel and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses did as God commanded, but Pharaoh refused to listen. So to reinforce his demand, God sent plague after plague upon Egypt. And every time when the plague was at its worst, Pharaoh would say, stop the plague and I'll let your people go. But after every plague, Pharaoh would renege on his promise and continue their slavery. Finally, Moses tells the Egyptian officials, this is what the Lord said. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or will ever be. In Exodus 11, 4, 6. Then God gave instructions to the Israelites. Each family is to choose a year-old lamb, one without spot or blemish, the best in all the flock. You know, one of the things that we've forgotten today is that we're supposed to offer our best to God. Instead, we tend to keep the best for ourselves, and God gets the leftovers. But you see, the biblical principle has always been the same. God deserves our best. And if we love him, then he will, we will give him our best. God told them, kill the lamb and drain its blood into a basin. Then roast the lamb, but before you eat it, take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood of the basin, and put some on the blood of, on the top and on both sides of the doorframe. In Exodus 12, 12 through 13, it goes on, On the same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So someone in every Jewish home took hyssop dipped in the blood and put it on the doorframe. And that night, just as God told them, he brought judgment upon Egypt, and there was weeping and wailing in the homes of the Egyptians. But wherever God saw the blood of the Lamb, those homes were spared. The next morning, Exodus twelve thirty three tells us the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. After 400 years, they were free. God said in Exodus twelve fourteen, this is a day that you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival of the Lord, a lasting ordinance. See, over 3,500 years have passed since that day, and every year, faithful Jews still celebrate, and they still remember Passover. And it's important that we don't forget either. Now, the second memorial that I want you to remember today is the day of worship. Today. You see, it all started in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. God worked six days in creation, and on the seventh, he what? He rested. The Bible tells us, 
that God consecrated that day and called it a Sabbath. That's a day of rest. Not a day of football. Not a day of working in the garden. But a day of rest. In the Ten Commandments, God told the Jews that they were to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. So the Sabbath became a day of worship and of rest. Centuries passed and the Jews began to twist and distort the Sabbath day that God had set for rest and worship. In fact, it became so bad that Jesus cried out to the Pharisees in Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. When Jesus was crucified and buried and then raised from the dead, he was raised on the first day of the week. Then the day of Pentecost came. Another first day of the week, the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and the church began as 3,000 people responded the first time ever that the gospel was preached. Soon the early Christians were meeting regularly on the first day of the week to worship God and to encourage each other. And in the book of Revelation, the apostle John spoke of this day of worship as the Lord's day. And so it is for those of us who gather to worship him today. I pray that this church will always recognize that whenever we come together, we have come to meet a holy and a righteous God, to remember all that he has done for us, and to rededicate ourselves to him. Finally, there's the mill of memory. You see, it was the night before Jesus' crucifixion that Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room to celebrate the Passover together. It was to be an evening of remembering as God had long ago commanded. But as they ate, Jesus gave something new, something greater to remember. For Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Have you ever wondered what Jesus was talking about when he said this cup is a new covenant of my blood? Do you know why he said it? because Jesus was a fulfillment of prophecy that God had made centuries before through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34 said, The time has come and declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. You see, no longer were some of the ingredients of the Passover meal simply to be a reminder of their release from the Egyptian bondage. Now the bread and the cup were to be eternal reminders of Jesus, of his sacrifice and his love. That's why Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And when Paul wrote about it, he added in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when you and I take communion, we're proclaiming to the Lord, I believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. I may not be able to speak eloquently, but I proclaim my faith through these emblems. So when I take it, I do so in remembrance of him. 
When Paul writes about the Lord's Supper, he said, it's not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ. And it's not the bread that we break our participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of one loaf. So you see, there should be unity. We've all traveled the same dusty road, haven't we? Some have been down some parts that have been way more crooked than the others. But we've all sinned. And none of us are worthy to be here. But we don't partake because we're worthy. We partake because God is holy. And God invites us to come into his presence and to be a part of his supper as we share it with each other. We have much to remember. Whatever you do, don't forget how you got here. Don't forget the price that has been paid and is being paid so that we can live in freedom and enjoy the blessings that God has given us. Please don't ever forget. A few years ago, a young and successful executive named Josh was traveling down a Chicago neighborhood street. He was going a bit too fast in his sleek black 12-cylinder Jaguar XKE, which was only about two months old. For those of you who don't know, that's a really expensive car. He was watching carefully for kids darting out from between parked cars and slowed down when he thought he saw something. As his car passed that spot, no char darted out. Darted out. But a brick flew out and whoomp! It smashed into the Jag's shiny side door. He slammed on his brakes, and his gears ground into reverse, tires spinning the Jaguar back to the spot where the brick had been thrown. Josh jumped out of the car. He grabbed the kid, and he pushed him up against a parked car. He shouted, Who are you? And what the heck are you doing? Putting up ahead of steam, he went on, That's my new jag, and the brick that you threw is going to cost you a lot of money. Why did you throw it? Please, mister, please. I'm sorry, I didn't know what else to do. I threw the brick because no one else would stop. Tears were dripping from the child's chin as he pointed around the parked car. It's my brother, mister, he said. He rolled off the curb and fell out of his wheelchair, and I can't lift him up. Sobbing, the boy pled, Would you please help me get him back into his wheelchair? He's hurt, and he's too heavy for me. Moved beyond words, the young executive tried desperately to swallow the rapidly swollen lump in his throat. Straining, he lifted the young man back into the wheelchair. And he took out his handkerchief and began to wipe the scrapes and the cuts, checking to see that everything else was okay. He then walked with them to make sure that the younger brother was able to get them back home all right. You see, it was a long walk back to that sleek, black, shining 12-cylinder Jaguar XKE. A long and slow walk. 
You see, Josh never did fix that door. He kept the dent as a reminder not to go through life so fast that someone has to throw a brick at him to get his attention again. Am I Josh? Are you? As your life became so fast-paced that if something or someone wants to get your attention, they've got to throw a brick at you. Listen, I understand being on the go. But do you take the time to slow down and to see those around you? You see, I believe that God has planted every single one of us here in this church and in this community for a reason. And there is hurt and lost people all around us if we'll just slow down enough to look. To remember what it was like to be lost. To remember what it was like when we were hurting. See, some of us in this room have been saved for so long that we forget what it was like to be lost. We forget what it's like to need a Savior. But I want to challenge you this morning. Slow down enough over the next couple of days. To allow God to bring back the memory of who you used to be. To bring back the memory of when you first cried out to Jesus. To take over. You want to know why? Because when we remember where we came from. It's easy to be thankful. Listen, maybe you're here today and you've, you've been living your life without Jesus. Maybe you've never come to the saving knowledge of Christ or maybe you said a prayer a long time ago, but man, you've walked away and you just haven't been living the way you should. Listen, today's the day that you can surrender your heart to Jesus again. Don't wait for somebody to have to throw a brick at you. Stand with me this morning as we pray. Today, if you'd say, Pastor Jason, I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. But today, I want to follow Jesus. I want to make Him the Lord of my life. Because I can't do it on my own anymore. Or today, you'd say, Pastor, I have walked away from God. I said a prayer a long time ago, but my life hasn't looked like I follow Jesus at all. And today I want to come back to Christ and start living for Him the way that I know I should be. If that's you and you fit in one of those two categories, I want you to just raise your hand right where you are. I see your hand. Anybody else? Yeah, I see your hand. Anyone else? Anybody else? Let's pray. 
God, we thank you for your son. God, on this Memorial Day, Lord, we remember the life that he gave for us. God, it was a high price for our sins. Lord, and we thank you for it. God, we thank you for these young men today that raised their hands and said that they want to commit to following you. God, we know the road will be hard and tough. But God, we know that with you, with you, all things are possible. So God, when the enemy comes and tells them it's not worth it, when the enemy comes and tells them that it's time to give up, God, that they would find their strength and their courage in you. God, so that they can stand and serve you the rest of their lives. God, for the rest of us that love you, God, we ask you to help us remember and to return to our first love. God, to view people the way that you view them. God, so that we may have compassion and may share our lives with them. God, give us opportunities this week to be a blessing. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.